month since we finished 1 Peter. And this morning we have the privilege of starting the next book in line, which is 2 Peter. As we go through the New Testament on Sunday mornings, I'm excited about getting into 2 Peter. And so this morning we're making the transition basically from 1 Peter to 2 Peter. And in studying 1 Peter, man, um, just spending time in that book, getting to know the character of Peter himself. Peter, Peter has become to me a great man of God. An awesome example of what God can do in a man. The Apostle Paul is often referred to as the great apostle. And he deserves that, rightly so. He, 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 he always has been considered that throughout Christendom. And it's interesting because when we talk about the Apostle Paul, we often refer to him as the Apostle Paul. And yet Peter, when it comes to Peter, it doesn't seem like Peter gets that many props like that. Those kinds of accolades. We don't often refer to him as the Apostle Peter. We just call him Peter. Pete. <laughs> you know, we just, we just look to him as, as, as that. And I think most of the time we, we kind of do that because we can almost identify with him. We don't put him on a high uh, pedestal because it's like, nah, he messed up a lot in his life. And we often are able to just relate to him because he, he messes up quite a bit. Um, Peter had the tendency in his early years especially to, to being overly confident when, when danger was kind of near and, and, and even Jesus warning him, he just like overlooked it all, um, just kind of ran through the stop sign and didn't even think twice and just did it and then just kind of had to pay the consequence afterwards. Um, Peter, Peter was just that type. And I think that's why we relate to him because oftentimes we have that same kind of mentality. Peter was, you know, he, he kind of rushed into things when he should have waited. He, he was sleeping when he should have been praying. He was arguing when he should have just been obeying. And he talked instead of listened. <laughs> and I think that's why we, we often relate so much with Peter. Because we often find ourselves in situations where we're just going and without thinking we do stuff and then it's like, oh, and we're repenting or we're learning our lessons through it. And, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, and, we, and we relate to Peter that way. You know, it's interesting because right after Jesus had spent time with his disciples in the upper room and they started arguing as to who would be the greatest among the kingdom and all that kinds of stuff. Right after that, Jesus in, in Luke chapter 22 Verses 31 and 32, Jesus speaks to Peter and he says this to Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Stop right there. <laughs> Just think about that. Jesus is telling Peter, Satan is asking for you by name, basically. He, he, he is after you. You know why? It says, because that he may sift you as wheat. 
Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. You know, I'm thinking of a sifter and you put the flour in there and you begin to like just like just sift and just break apart. And it's like that's what Satan wants to do to you. He's asking for you so he can like mess you up and break you down and do all this thing to you, all these things to you. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And then he says this, right after he says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. When you have returned to me, Jesus knew that Satan would come after him and he would mess with him and and, and his faith would fail. And he said, but when you have returned to me, he knew you're going to feel horrible about what's going to happen even tomorrow. (laughs) But I've prayed for you, Peter. I've prayed for you. And, And when you return to me, be a strength to your brethren. Encourage your brethren, and that's what he's been doing as we've been going through his epistles here. Peter has become a strength to us. Peter was what I would call a courageous but careless Christian. He he just went for it. He just went for it. Didn't think about the consequences. He just went for it. He, he, He did learn his lessons I know he did, but he was just kind of careless. He he he, he didn't he didn't think about himself. Oftentimes, well, he did, but not. He just went for it. He, he to him he he was going to if anybody was going to do it, it would have been Peter. And when he was restored, in John chapter twenty one, in, in that whole scene where where Jesus is talking to him here, he he. he He rejects him three different times and Jesus goes to him and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he he says it twice, do you agape me? He talks to him three times. And Peter comes back every time Jesus says, do you agape me? Unconditional love. And Peter goes, Jesus, you know I like you a lot. (laughs) And on that third time, Jesus gets down to his level. And he doesn't use the word agape again. He says, Peter, do you really, really like me a lot? And it says that Peter got upset. He said, Lord, you know that I like you a whole lot. And, I, and, and what I see that is that even though Peter could not muster up the same kind of love that Jesus had for him, Jesus comes down to his level and he says, well, do you like, like me a whole lot, Pete? And he says, yeah. And I think, again, that's why we relate to, to Peter so well. Because, again, it, it, it's almost like Jesus knows how much we mess up. And he will come down to our level still and minister to us. And Peter was that type. He, he, he got ministered to the Lord because the Lord came down to his level and ministered to him. Also in that chapter of John 21, right after he restores him, he begins to tell Peter how he will die. He starts telling him, Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. And even in that moment, Peter turns to John, the apostle whom Jesus loved. John kept on saying that. He wrote that. He says, well, what about him? How is he going to die? And again, Peter is like, Peter, just shut up. Just shut up, man. 
But he turns to him, well, what about him? And Jesus turns to him and he says, you never mind about him. You just follow me. Again, Peter, Peter was a man. <laughs> he, he, he messed up so much, but man, oh man, we just like that kind of guy because we relate to somebody like that. And so Jesus had given them the heads up of what was going to happen to him. But Peter learned his place in Christ. He learned his place in Christ. Receiving and understanding the grace and the mercy of God. He was put into a place of submission. He was humbled and he knew his place. And guys, I I just want to encourage you. It is always good to know your place in Christ. Even with all your mess-ups, know who you are in Christ. Knowing where you've come from. Understanding that that, that that is part of your testimony of what you've come from, where you've come from. But also knowing what you have received. How much grace God has shown you so that because you remember where you've come from, you don't hold back that grace, you show that grace to other people. You minister to them because you know who you are. You know where you've come from. You know how much you lack and how many times it's like, Lord, I like you a lot. I might not rise to that occasion, but I like you a lot. Just remember where you have come from. And we should always be in a place of submission to God. We should always be in a place of being humble before God. I I, I believe humility should be the birthmark of us being born again. Each one of us should have the same humility, the same birthmark, humility. That's what we should be clothed in. And Peter, who still had his ups and downs, even while we read about him in the book of Acts, I, 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 I assume that he probably had these ups and downs until the day he died. But he was used mightily of the Lord, so powerfully. I mean, we have his books here that we're reading and studying. And man, they are such a blessing. And man, this should just bring comfort to our hearts as well. Because we too mess up a lot like Pete. We too, man. We, 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 we just don't get things right oftentimes. And we will probably be battling that till the day we die. But like Peter, God can use us to minister to other people. That we can be like him and comfort and encourage other people. And so even though Peter was who he was, the Apostle Paul still referred to Peter as one who seemed to be a pillar in the church. Along with James, the brother of Jesus, and John, whom Jesus loved, the Apostle John, Peter was one of those three pillars in the church of Jerusalem. He was a leader he, he not only influenced Jerusalem, but outside Jerusalem. So he was a pillar within the church as a whole. I mean, some even believe that Peter became the first pope. It's like, not bad, Pete. <laughs> Somebody who's messed up so much that people, some people would even consider you to be the pope, the first one. It's like, whoa, that's big time, Pete. But now Peter has come to the end of his life in this book. 
and he is awaiting execution. He is in Rome and his life is coming to an end. The date of this letter was written about 66 A.D., a year after he wrote the first letter. And most believe that Peter died somewhere in 67 or 68 A.D. So he's writing this letter a couple of years before he dies. And he was going to be crucified in Rome. But Peter says this, or it says this about Peter. Tradition says that he thought he was not worthy to die the same kind of death as his Jesus because he still had that, maybe I'm not worthy enough. And so he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't find it worthy to die right side up like Jesus did. (laughs) Man, oh man. So in this letter, we have a sense of urgency that Peter is writing in the second letter. And he's encouraging those who he's writing to how they ought to be living as Christians. Because persecution was now coming upon them more so than when we were covering uh, these people in, in the first letter. Persecution was now upon them. And he's encouraging them to hang in there. That they had received the grace of God and now they were to be growing in that grace. And they were also to be growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus so that they could persevere in times of persecution. And so not only had they received the grace, but he is encouraging them here to grow in that and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of of the Lord. At this time that he is writing to them, the church had been going there. False teachers have come into the church saying that the Word of God was some kind of cunning devised fable and they were bringing destruction. And he, so he warns them against false teachers. But he also touches on the second coming of Christ and the day of the Lord. And the theme of this book in my Bible on the top up here, it says last days. Peter is sharing about the last days. So the sense of urgency is throughout this letter. And if that sense of urgency was going on 2,000 years ago when he wrote this, how much more should we have a sense of urgency today in the times that we are living in, which I believe are the last days? First or Second Peter chapter 1. We will cover two whole verses this morning. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Peter is writing to the same people or people group that, that he was writing to the same churches that he was writing in the first letter. These, these were the pilgrims of the dispersion as he shared in the first letter. They, they were exiled and they were scattered abroad, many of them, from Jerusalem when persecution came upon Jerusalem and the Christians began to scatter. Many of them went up to the northern part of what is modern-day Turkey today, Asia Minor. 
And so that's who he's writing to those who are in, in the regions of Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's writing to those same people. And here he introduces himself a little different than the way he, he introduced himself in the first letter. In the first letter, he introduced himself as Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Here he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Simon is Peter's given name. He was the son of Jonah. And Jesus often referred to him as Peter, or Simon, son of Jonah, in that, in that story in John chapter 21, where he's restoring him. He, he's, he keeps on referring to him as Simon, son of Jonah. Jonah, do you love me? Simon, son of Jonah. And he uses that term, but oftentimes he was always just kind of referred to as Peter. And so here he, we have his name Simon, um, but when he was called by Jesus in the early part of Jesus' ministry, Jesus changed his name to Cephas. And Cephas, which is Aramaic, is translated Petros in the Greek, which is a stone. This is where we get the name Peter from in the English. And so throughout the New Testament, we see that, that he, they use three different names for him, but most of the time it's Peter. But he introduces himself as a bondservant. And for some reason, he didn't do that in the first letter. He, he, he didn't mention that he was a bondservant in, this, in his first letter. Not that he wasn't, but maybe, just maybe, as he's coming to the end of his life, as, as it's coming down to the wire. It, it's quite possible that, that he wants people to know that he is a bondservant first and foremost. Before any title that is set before him, it, as an apostle, he says, I, I want to be known more as a bondservant. Now, most of you know that a bondservant was different than just your regular slave. The Greek word for bondservant is doulos. And I share that with you, these Greek words, because you, you hear those, or you may have heard them in the past, and, and, or you might hear them in the future. It's like, oh, okay, that pastor is using doulos, but he's never telling me what that word is. It's doulos, it's bondservant. And a bondservant is one who was free to leave, but has decided to stay by his own free will. You see, back in that day, if you were bought as a slave, even a common slave, after about seven years, you were free to go. But there were some slaves who decided, I don't want to go out there. I love you. I love my master. You've treated me well. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay with you. And the custom was that they would take that, that slave and they would put him up against the deer, uh, the deer post, the, the doorpost, and they would drive an awl through his ear to put a... A, a earring on it. You know, today kids are putting earrings on it to be cool or whatever. Back then, it signified something different <laughs> that you were a bondservant. People could see you and know that you willingly are a, a servant, that you had the freedom to go do whatever you want, but you have decided to stay with your master. A regular servant or a regular slave had no freedoms. 
He was bought. He, he was merely property to people. And they were under their master's rule. And, and, and as I was thinking about that, it's much like the way we are born to slavery in, as, as sin. We're, we're, we're born into sin. We are slaves to sin. We, we, we cannot just be born and not be sinners. We are born into sin and we are slaves to sin until we decide that we want a new master. You see, if you have never asked Jesus into your life, then, then you are born into sin, you're a slave to sin, and your master is the prince of the power of this air, of this world, which is the enemy, which is Satan. And you're bound to him. And that's why we're always giving the opportunity, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, because you'll be made free from the, slave, from the master who rules over this place and rules over those who are still in bondage to sin. You see, Jesus bought us when He died on the cross. He was buying us back. And He is a different type of master. He is not a taskmaster. You see, Satan is a taskmaster. He doesn't want to let you go. He forces you to stay. But because Jesus came and bought us, we have the opportunity to be set free from our old master. And so because of that, because of what Jesus has done, we can choose to be slaves of Jesus or slaves to this world. We can choose if we want to be slaves unto righteousness because of Jesus. We can choose to become a bondservant to Him instead of continuing to serve the Master who we were born into. We have the freedom to serve Jesus freely. Because he has set us free. Peter does call himself an apostle as well. And an apostle is, is one who is sent out, one who is commissioned to go out from someone else. An apostle does not have his, his own right to go do whatever he wants. He has been commissioned with some credentials to go on a mission to represent somebody else as their ambassador. And so Jesus, who has all the credentials, turns to us, turns to Peter here, and gives Peter the credentials to be an apostle, a representative, an ambassador, an ambassador to his master, Jesus Christ. And I know that today we don't use the term apostles. You know, for, for us who, you know, who want to serve God, we, we, we don't call ourselves apostles, but guess what? We have been sent out. If you decided in your life to, to walk with Jesus, to become a slave to Jesus, you've given yourself over to Him, then you have become His representative, His ambassador. He is your master. And I know some would be thinking like, oh, I didn't bargain for that. Well, that's exactly what you bargained for. You're not your own anymore. You, you serve someone else and He has bid you to go out and share the gospel. To be His representative. And we need to have the same kind of intensity 
for the same sense of urgency as Peter had in his day. You see, he had a mission. He was called to go out. And we have that same kind of calling in our lives, every one of us. Not just the guy that stands behind the pulpit. Every one of us have been called to preach the gospel. We've been called to be ambassadors for Christ, to be his representatives, to be sent out. And so he says here, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained, that, that, that phrase, to those who have obtained, means to those who have received an equal privilege as a foreigner who has received or been granted the privilege of citizenship that is equal to the native born. Those who have obtained are equally citizens as those who were born in that country. That's what that saying is, to those who have obtained. Now, to put that in in perspective, Peter is saying, to those who have obtained like precious faith, This precious faith that that Peter experienced is the same precious faith that was granted to the readers of this letter. Those who had received this letter and Peter saying, hey, if you're with us, you have received the same precious faith. It it, it means that, that, that those who he was writing to were just as equal as he was in faith. Whatever he was experiencing there, he was saying, you have that same faith. You have been granted that. It means that that they were now standing with Jesus in that right place because they have received this precious faith. Those who he was writing to. Peter is writing about this same or equal faith in quality and in quantity. In other words, it has not changed. It hadn't changed from when Peter received it to what those people were receiving that faith. It was the same thing, like precious faith. And I think that this like precious faith that Peter was talking about, I think it's just as real today. I mean, think about it. Think about this like precious faith. Do you really believe that we can experience that same kind of faith today? Do, do you believe that? That, that? that what Peter is writing about here, when he says to those who have obtained like precious faith, do you believe that you can have that same kind of faith that Peter is talking about? Or are you of the mindset that that was then and this is now? That things cannot be the same. It was different back then, Zeke. It's, it, it can't be the same faith today because things have changed. We're in the 21st century. Come on. It can't be the same. Guys, I truly believe that the Word of God transcends time and culture. As real as it was back then, it's just as real today. As true as it was then, it is true today as true as it's ever been. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then His Word and our faith is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Now, I will assume that if you have the mindset that we can't have that same kind of faith that the apostles had back then, I, I will assume then that your mindset is that we have less faith, not more faith than what they had. Because if you have that mindset like things have changed, Zeke, it cannot be the same, I would, I, I would venture to say that you would be thinking that's less than. And because of that, I would venture to say that's why you may find yourself defeated in your faith. Because you can never reach what these saints of old had. I, I, I could almost guarantee you if you have that mindset that I cannot be how those guys were because it's different now. I could almost guarantee you that you read the Word and you doubt its potential. That it could really do what it says it can do. Because you often think it's not that that that. It doesn't have that potency anymore. Not like those guys back then, man. Those guys were really godly. Those guys, those guys were like first century, man. They, they were there. I believe that the like precious faith that Peter is talking about here is just as pertinent and applicable today as it was when Peter was writing this. I believe that it's just as important and as relevant as it was back then as it is today. If that is true, if you believe that that is true, that it is just as important and as pertinent today as it was back then, then my encouragement to you is let's live like it is. Let's live it. Let's believe it just like they were believing it back then. Because again, oftentimes we look at them and we think like, man, those guys had it made. Man, Jesus had just died. It was recent. It was all these things. And we're thinking like, man, that was just so far removed. It's like, wow, that's probably why you're defeated. But if you believe that is that pertinent today, then let us live like that. Let us have the same kind of belief that the apostles did. They believed it. Oh, I'm sure they, 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 they wavered here and there, but they believed it. Now, I know, again, that some, you know, we would, we would think that, well, they had an advantage over us because they did have Jesus walking in and among them. It was easier for them to believe. Well, I, 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 I truly believe that it was harder for them to just live by faith. You see, they had the real thing at one point. And then he was gone, and then they had to start using faith. We've never had that experience. We've never had that one-on-one with Jesus where we see Him face-to-face. All all we know is faith. I think it's easier for us to believe than for them to believe. They had to have this big old turnaround in their lives. They didn't have the New Testament. Peter was preaching from the OT. (laughs) Peter was sharing about the Old Testament. He didn't have... We have the New Testament and the Old Testament to boot. And so it should be much easier for us to believe because we have it all. We have the complete Word of God with us. I think it's easier for us to believe than they. Than they uh, had. Anyways. It's easier. The reason why this precious faith 
is the same and that it never changes is because we have nothing to do with it. We can't make it happen. He is the one that has done it all. Jesus has done it all. It is due to his righteousness that we can have this kind of belief. Again, he says here, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is by his doing that we can have this faith. And so it never changes because he never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even here in these two short verses, or even in this verse 1 here, Peter is affirming the deity of Christ, that he is God. He's not describing two different people here, but one person. And I don't think that he misspoke or he he miswrote here. When he, when he calls them our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. No, he believed that Jesus was God. I don't think he ever had a doubt about, is Jesus God? No, he knew it. For one, Jesus told them who he was when he was in their midst. Secondly, Peter knew why Jesus was crucified because he made himself to be equal with God. And, and yet Jesus never thought it strange to be equal with God. He knew his place. He knew he was God. Jesus had said to them that that him and the Father were one and that one day they would send their Holy Spirit, their spirit to come and live inside of people. And so they had no questions about the Trinity. They understood what it meant. And so in verse 2 here, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ has three spiritual commodities or properties, if you will, that no one else has. And that is righteousness, grace, and peace. When we trust Him as our Savior, His righteousness becomes our righteousness. He gives us His righteousness. We, we can now be in right standing with God. It's like, nope. Change them out that quick, man. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. We, are, we now have been given right standing before God. We are now completely righteous. Not because of who we are, but because of who he, he is. That is who He is. And He says, you are now righteous. We can't earn this righteousness. It is a gift of God to those who believe. In Titus 3.5, it says, not by works of righteousness which... We have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It is purely His righteousness, and He gives it to us. Grace. Grace is God's favor to the undeserving. You don't deserve grace. Neither do I. God in His mercy does not give us what we deserve. 
But God in His grace gives us what we don't deserve. His grace. Man, He has given us eternal life and we don't deserve it. God is the God of all grace. Peter told us that in 1 Peter 5.10. And then He channels all that grace. He directs it, directs it to us through Jesus Christ. So that now we have grace for grace. And then more grace on top of that. Whenever you think you're running out of grace, He pours more grace upon you. Time and time again. John 1.16 It tells us that, that He has given us grace for grace. Once again, man, one of my favorite scriptures. And so the result of that righteousness and that grace, the result to this is peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. In fact, God's grace and peace are multiplied towards us who walk with Him and believe His promises. He tells us right here that that it's multiplied towards us. And so where are you at this morning? If you're saying amen to this message, it's like, yeah, right on. Then I want to encourage you. Live like you have obtained like precious faith. Live like it. If you're here and you're not sure as a believer, if you can or if you have like precious faith, then I want to encourage you that you put away any preconceived ideas that you may have about who God is and let the Word of God speak for itself. Just put away all, your, all, all, all the stuff that you've thought about And just read His Word purely. And see if He doesn't speak to you. And as always, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and that all of this seems to be too good to be true, that God could give you righteousness and grace and peace, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. I want you to to, to experience what God has for you. And I know that you might be thinking, are you sure? Are you sure that He wants to give me all that? It's like, absolutely. He died for you. He loves you. Those of us who have been walking with Christ, we understand His love. That we don't deserve any of it, just like you don't. But He's calling you to Himself to walk with Him so you can experience this light, precious faith. We're going to have prayer teams up here. And I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, come on up. And have them pray for you. And, and, and even you that, that, that might be here and you're struggling going, I don't know if I can attain that like precious faith. Man, I struggle so much. Hey, join the club. Just like Peter, man. Come up for prayer. Don't, don't leave here without being encouraged and prayed for. For those of you who are saying amen, hey man, let's continue to walk in what he has given us. Amen? Yes. Hey, let's stand as we close in prayer. Father in heaven, once again, we want to bless you and thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Father, as we come before you, Lord God, to thank you and to praise you, Lord God, that you have given us everything we need, Lord. You've called us into this faith, Lord. You've done it on your own, Lord God, and then you've given it to us freely. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord God, that you would encourage them in their walks with you, Lord. That, Lord, they would walk in that faith that they would not waver in what you've called them to. 
For those who are struggling, Lord God, I pray that, Father, right now, you would just remind them of what you've already done in their lives. That you would draw them right back to where they left off, Lord. Father, with all the trials, with all the, 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 the hurts and sufferings that they may be going through, that have, they've, they've wavered in their faith, I pray that, God, you would just bring them back to that place of just knowing where they stand with you, Lord. And Jesus, we do pray that those who may be here this, this morning who don't know you, Lord, who, who may think that this is way too good to be true, Lord, just, just show them who you are. Just draw them to yourself, Lord God, that they would turn to you, Lord, and that you would save them, that they would desire to turn from their sin and just be right before you because of what you've already done. So bless them, Lord. Encourage them. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, there's people that are down here that are going to be